If your biggest worry is about investment return, your focus is in the wrong spot. More money is lost trying to find the perfect investment than it is made finding that perfect investment. So today we're going to talk about the top five things that you can control within your investments. And welcome to the Retire Early, Retire Now podcast. This is your host, Hunter Kelly. I'm the owner of Palm Valley Wealth Management. Today, we'll be talking about the top five things within your control when investing. This is something that <clears throat> that I find to be very helpful and most helpful to new investors, but also people that have been investing for uh, a long period of time, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Let's briefly cover what investing is, what you're actually doing when you pick a stock, right? And so when you purchase a stock, let's say you happen to get in early to any number of companies that go into what they call the initial public offering. So a lot of times companies will offer their stock to the public so that they can have cash, build capital either to cash out and maybe stop working. But generally, overwhelmingly, it is to gain cash so that they can go out and do more research and development and scale and continue to grow. When you buy that stock, that is what you're doing. Now, when you buy it on the stock market, it is secondary purchasing, essentially. So you're buying it from somebody else, and you're hoping that when you buy that stock, that company will continue to grow and become more valuable. So if you buy it for $100, hopefully some point in the future, it will be worth more than $100. Or you're able to participate in any dividends that they pay you. And so the dividend would be like, hey, thank you for owning the stock. We're going to pay $0.03 cents for every share of stock that you own. If you were one of those people that own maybe a handful of shares or even 1% or 2%, you're likely not going to have much control over or any control over what that company does from revenue, decision-making, any of that. On a day-to-day, month-to-month, even year-to-year, you really have no control on the performance of that stock. And so when people say, oh, I want the best return possible and, and investment return is the only thing that matters, well, yes, we, we want to have a good investment return, but on a day-to-day decision-making, we have no control over what that company is going to do, generally speaking, unless you own the, com- the entire company or a very large share of that company. What I really want to dive in today is, well, if I can't control the outcome of that investment, well, what can I be doing within my control to still obtain or put myself in position to obtain a return that is going to help me reach whatever goal I'm getting to. Because most people don't just want the highest return to have the highest return. They want a high return so they can leave their job, start a business, spend more time with family, go golfing more, whatever that is for them. What I like to focus on is what can we can control? Let's put ourselves in position to get the return that we need for the least amount of risk, right? The first thing that we should be doing within our control is looking at our savings rate. What are we putting into these investments on a week-to-week, day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck, whatever that is uh, for you, what are we putting in there relative 
to what we want to have that investment be in the future. Overwhelmingly, most people are, are saving for retirement if they haven't already retired. And so are we putting enough of our income into whether it be a 401k, Roth IRA, traditional IRA, whatever retirement account that you deem is best for you? Are we putting enough in there with the what we assume the rate of return will be to get us to that retirement date when we want it to get there? One of my rules of thumbs, especially if you're early on in investing, is if you the amount that you're going to save in a given year, the dollar amount, let's say $10,000, is more than the dollar amount that you potentially would get on a return. So let's say you have $10,000 saved and you get 10% and you get $1,000. That's much less than $10,000. You should be worried about the amount that you're actually saving and um, trying to increase the amount of income that you're bringing in every year because that is going to move the needle much quicker than trying to go out and pick the best Google or Amazon or XYZ company that's going to get a two to three more percent um, return for you. If you move, let's say you make $100,000, if you move your income up 10%, well, you've just moved your income up $10,000, which you could save or invest versus taking maybe $10,000 or $50,000 and getting 1% or 2% better, that real number is much lower than you actually just maybe asking your boss for a raise, starting a side hustle, starting your own business, and somehow creating more income that way, whatever that case may be. So focus on the things that are going to move the needle more to get that money into the investments. And so the next thing that you'll want to look at and what's within your control are two things, but very similarly related, asset location and asset allocation. So let's talk about asset location first. So asset location is where, what type of accounts and how is that money taxed? So where are my dollars? Are they in a checking account, savings account, some sort of retirement account, a brokerage account? What should that mix look like? Depending on your situation, that mix should look a little bit different, right? If you're early on in your career, your savings might be something that you need to focus on, your emergency fund, building that up, all the while still putting a little bit into retirement and maybe some short-term goals. But that savings account would be probably where most of your money would be starting out. And then as you get older and you have an emergency fund, you're established, then you want to make sure that you're uh, meeting your needs for your savings for your retirement or any long-term goals, whether that's buying a house in 10 years or, you know, you have a couple of cars to purchase, whatever the case may be, making sure that long-term investment need is taken care of. And generally that's in Roth IRAs, 401ks, employer-sponsored plans, and things of that nature that are tax-deferred. And then the one that I see that's completely over-missed, not completely, but um, very underrated is having a brokerage account for that kind of, hey, I don't need this for retirement necessarily, but I'm not going to touch it in my emergency fund for five plus years. And so having a brokerage account for maybe your yearly vacations and that car that you need to buy in 10 years because you know the one that you're getting that you have now is getting old and maybe it's not I need to buy it now, but it is in the future. 
those types of investments or I have kids college that I need to pay for those types of investments we can put into a brokerage account have it after tax we can still manage a little bit for taxes which we can do in a later episode but obviously not as tax advantage as getting that deferred growth and either potentially tax-free like a Roth is when you take distributions but we can put ourselves in a position to have a lot of flexibility if we just open up a brokerage account and we siphon some of our savings in there each month we can start to build that up and that can that could bridge an early retirement if you're before 59 and a half that could help with Roth conversions and tax planning later on down the road you could take a sabbatical and say hey I'm going to leave my job for a year or that could be a bridge to say, hey, I'm actually going to leave my job and start a new business or take that side hustle and make it a full-time gig, and this is going to be my transition money. Whatever that case is, having that money in that brokerage account gives you a lot of flexibility. And so that's within your control. Where you put that money, whether it's savings, brokerage account, or retirement account, that's within your control, and that can optimize your taxes and give you flexibility on when you can pull that money without it being taxed on penalties, but also give you some growth. And then asset location. So this is the part B of number two. Asset location, I mean asset allocation, I'm sorry, asset allocation. This is, all right, well, how much large companies do I have? How much small companies? And so based on a couple of things, your objective, what type of return you need, how tolerant you are to risk. So are you okay with lots of volatility and your investments, lots of ups and downs in the short term to potentially get you more growth in the long term? Are you in a position where I can't really handle that financially or emotionally where there's a lot of ups and downs? So maybe you need more fixed income, something a little bit more conservative because I don't really need that much return. I just need something, but I also don't want a lot of ups and downs. So controlling that asset allocation can mitigate that risk, but also put you in position to get growth, especially over a long period of time and take advantage of different types of market, but also spread that risk over multiple companies. And, And so now instead of having your retirement funds and maybe four stocks like Google, like the big ones you've heard of, it's less likely for a thousand stocks or 250 stocks to go to zero versus uh, four or a handful of stocks, right? And so you can spread that risk over multiple industries and such. Number three is tax planning. So this kind of goes into asset location, but what you want to do is make sure that you're looking at your tax bracket. You're, you're saying, okay, well, what's my income now? And how can I best put myself in position to save taxes, not only this year, but the following years and then into retirement. So should I be using Roth? Should I be using pre-taxed? And then in my brokerage accounts on a year-to-year basis, is there opportunity to tax loss harvest? And so that would be, hey, having Home Depot and then having a backup stock like Lowe's, maybe selling Home Depot at a loss and a dip, something of that nature, and then buying Lowe's and then getting back in, avoiding wash sell rules, but then having those losses on paper so that in the future, when you do sell and need that money, you can use those losses to offset any gains that you incur. Tax planning is certainly within your control. Number four, objectives and risks. So really what I want to talk about here is, 
are you running projections with the return that you have gotten in the past with your current portfolio and making sure that you're on task or on track to meet the objectives that you want and objectives, goals, whatever that case may be. And so if that is retire early, if that is retire in five years, if that is buy a house in two years, are your investments doing what you need them to do? Especially in the last, call it three to four years, where we've had a ton of volatility. You had the COVID, the were in March, it went down 30, 40%. And then in, by April, we were at new highs versus, and even uh, the last two years where we had a, a pretty significant pullback. And now it is taking some time to get back to new highs. I think the S&P just hit a new high last Friday. It's taking time. And so based off that return in the last five, 10 years, am I still on track to meet the things that I want to do? Am I able to still take the correct amount of distributions if I'm in retirement without running out of money? So running those projections to make sure I'm on track to meet those objectives. If you're not, then you can make those tiny adjustments, whether that be asset allocation, risk tolerance. Maybe you're in a position where now I can take advantage of some tax planning opportunities, whatever that case may be, but making sure that you're running those projections to take advantage of what's within your control. And then lastly, this is often overlooked, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts as well, consolidate your investments. So if you have two or three Roth IRAs at two or three different custodians or 401ks at two or three different providers, make sure that you're consolidating those uh, properly, right? If you're doing uh, two-step Roths, you want to make sure you keep that 401k money in 401k. That makes sense to roll it over to an IRA. We'll do that as well. But consolidating that so you don't have to go searching when you're ready to use those accounts or you don't have to do a ton of analysis to go, oh, my investment here makes sense for my investment there. And it's still, they're both Roth IRA. Just get them all in one spot so that you can do the asset allocation properly without cumbersome work. And then also when you get ready to use those accounts, they're all in one spot. Um, we have uh, pretty cool technology here at Palm Valley Wealth Management where we can aggregate all of those accounts in one spot. So for whatever reason, um, you're working with us and your 401k is not at our custodian because most of them aren't. You can aggregate that on our client portal and you can see your 401k there, but then you can also see the accounts that you have that we're managing all in one spot so that you know, okay, here's my net worth. Here's how I'm tracking toward my retirement goal or buying my house or getting this new car, going on these vacations, whatever the case may be. And having it all in one spot makes it clean, organized, and really easy to see where am I at. So when I log in, I don't have to log in to Principal and Vanguard and Fidelity and all these different spots and then try to write it down on paper to see how much money is in each and what investment. It's just really inefficient, right? Consolidating that will, will alleviate that pain. So these are the five things that I think that are within your control of your investments that move the needle most. One of the things I considered putting on this list is fees, but I find that if uh, clients or individuals are doing these five things, that is 
going to move the needle much more than trying to find a mutual fund or ETF with one or two basis points, better pricing for a similar mutual fund, whatever the case may be. Um, and so I don't think that finding better fees most of the time will move the needle as much as making sure that you're saving properly, tax planning, making sure you're on track to meet your objectives, consolidating and organizing your accounts so that you can do this type, these types of things. Once you've kind of done all those things and you're optimizing for that, yes, finding a better share class of a mutual fund or switching to an index fund or an ETF to get a better cost will certainly move the needle, but not as much as making sure that savings is correct and, and all those things. So just keep that in mind. These are the things that I find that are within your control, but also move the needle towards your goals much quicker, much more efficient than just trying to find the best priced mutual fund. And so that'll wrap it up for today. If you're confused about if you're optimizing these things or you don't know what asset location is after my brief explanation or you still have questions about it or you don't know if your asset allocation is correct, do I have enough large cap versus small cap versus international? These are all things that I do for my clients to make their investments optimized for their specific plan. And if you're unsure about if, if your investments are aligning with your values and your goals and what you want to accomplish, we can certainly take a look at that. So please reach out to me at hunter at palmvalleywm.com or you can go to my website, palmvalleywm.com. I'd be happy to have an introductory call to see um, what I can do to help you. So um, again, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Please leave a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. And as always, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This is not financial advice. This is not investment advice. This communication should not be relied upon as a factor for investment-making decisions or financial planning decisions. If you would like help, please seek a financial, tax, legal, or insurance professional Please keep Palm Valley Wealth Management in mind when making those considerations.